Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. From Barangaroo Studios, this is the COB, brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Well, hello there, it's Friday, it's the COB, and this is all the stuff you need to know about the day in business and markets. I'm Kyle Rodder. And I'm Tessa Arcelia, again, the second day with you guys, and it's Friday, Kyle. It is. a very exciting, wink, wink, <laughs> week. <laughs> we were trying to make it exciting. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we did see movement. Yesterday, we were talking about no movement, but we did see movement today downwards, though, unfortunately, right? So let's look at the... Um, ASX at the moment and uh, well see what we are at 1403 we do you have it on your screen I do. down 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 0.42 percent for the session yeah 30 and points down there you go 30 points down and uh, again as you can see on your screen there 0.57 percent lower for the SIBO 200 and um we have been sort of talking very much about the market picking a direction for the week which it seemed to refuse to do for the most part it picked one today it wasn't emphatic but it was down no. so effectively the day's loss today is is the week's loss and and we end off on a on a negative note but yeah, I, mean, I just wanted to look at some of the, yeah, the sectors because we have the yeah. biggest losers um, materials uh, today and financials. I think financials, maybe the banks are tracking the broader negative sentiment that, that we've been gathering from all the data coming out, the CPIs and the mm-hmm. U.S. jobless claims. and um, and But then there, there's also the news today locally. The Australian regulator wants to look into how banks have been translating that hike in interest rates to bank deposits. Interesting. And we saw that, yeah, there were commentators saying that they saw movement after that mm-hmm. announcement came out so that could be some reason why financials could be down um, miners of course iron ore prices um, were down yeah, so I think that's uh, today, interesting yeah though. something yeah. that we're we're looking at today what caught your attention well actually it was a it was the fact that it was a bit of a blue chip slip so if you look at uh, the ASX 300 down by about 0.5 percent 0.4 percent we haven't got um, obviously the uh, final uh, uh, trades going through the market yet with uh, with the uh, post market auction, but um, the ASX 20, so the 20 biggest stocks in the market, actually down 0.82 percent. So again, some of these bigger names, mostly because it is a, a banks and, and material story, uh, yep. leading the market lower. But it's again those largest cap stocks that seem to be uh, selling off. Does that signal anything? I mean, you could probably try and construct some kind of narrative around it, uh, but people are backing out of some of those uh, higher quality names. So uh, very interesting. But, but we also had some production reports today. So I think we that did. might have impacted very specific stocks like yep. you had BHP, a downgrade, um, a full year in their Escondida copper and nickel production expectations. Interestingly enough, that's in Chile. So yep. as and some news again from Chile today, the president said he wants to nationalize the yeah. lithium sector. That would probably, you know, it could in- impact um, Australian companies that have exposure to that space over there. And you had um, Whitehaven Coal, it was up today because of an approved investment in um, mine. So I think it was stocked 
dependent. Mm. Some of some of the the news that came out today, especially with those production reports. Yeah, no, it's, without a doubt, and we were flagging yesterday that uh, those production reports would be significant. And uh, well, imbalances seem to have largely disappointed investors um, throughout the week. Some of those production reports, but uh, just this is our three themes for the day: blue chips. We've just spoken about that. Down for the week, we've just spoken about that. One thing I wanted to bring up though was uh, battling on not so much the equity market, but the Australian economy, because I had yeah. a lot of macro conversations today. And one thing that stood out, didn't move the markets, but PMI figures out of uh, Judo Bank uh, moved back into uh, expansionary territory. And a lot of the chat today was talking about the resilience in the Australian economy. And how would that translate to rates again? Here we go. Um, when, when you see that resilience in the economy, mm. That's the next question, isn't it? What, what did you get from some of the guests that you spoke to today? Higher for longer, and it all seems to be um, some variety of that kind of story from ANZ. Adelaide Timberall was on today giving the house view uh, from the uh, the bank there about where rates will go. Thinks one more 25 basis point uh, hike is on the cards. Not until August, but still another 25 to go. Warren Hogan, uh, as crisscrossed the public pri- uh, public sector, the tertiary uh, education sector, all these different areas of, of the economics world, he reckons we need to have a four in front of the uh, the cash rate before it really starts to slow the economy. And uh, of course, he's from Judo Bank too, which releases that PMI data. So had a very good uh, uh, sort of knowledge and insight on what that data could potentially mean. But I mean, it's a good news and bad news thing. If you're, yeah, if you're a part of the house, you know, if you're, if you're a household, you're a business, that, that might be a good thing. But again, the RBA doesn't want good times to last no, right and it's, now. It's really interesting to see how Australia is going to fare compared to the rest of the world. Because mm. earlier when we were listening to what was happening in the United States, um, you had bond, 10-year bond yields kind of going down. And the, the, the assumption there is maybe investors are looking at the slowdown, the, rather than interest rate hike fears, they're looking at the general broad slowdown. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've yeah. tried to use this joke a couple of times. It just seems to offend people, <laughs> but um, instead of like going down like a Led Zeppelin, like we'd yeah. say, uh, going down like a SpaceX rocket. Um, but yeah, topical. Um, too soon. Very topical today. Too soon. You saw that video. Yeah, we saw that video. We've run that a few <laughs> times. You've, you've got to, you've got to um, obviously commend the uh, the bold and brave efforts of Elon Musk, of course, trying to send uh, send people to, to space today. It uh, wasn't yeah, it wasn't wasn't perhaps. Uh, uh, a, a, a small step for man, perhaps, but not a large step for mankind in this in this instance. Um, but let's get across some of those areas of the market that we were just alluding to, starting off with the metals and mining. We'll just get across these very quickly because while it's on your screen there, painted in red, yeah. down for the day, the miners. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think it's also because of pressures coming from the commodity space there. A lot of China news, you know, trying to read what the China impact is um, and looking at the prices you have inventories um, again iron ore inventories are just um, are, are going up so prices are going down so that's uh, going to affect some of the the miners yes and uh, there we can see another um, I suppose iteration of that that chart so um, again really just hammers home that miners were a part of the story today but um, Tessa the stock of the day. We actually had two of our favorite small cap commentators, small cap analysts on to talk about a company called Fiducian. Now, I wasn't across this company before. Yeah, often, often the best thing about when uh, when Luke Winchester and Claude Walker come on is that they bring a new name to the table. And Fiducian Group is a diversified financial group offering funds management, financial planning, and platform administration. Many, many more. A little bit of a uh, fintech, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Let's hear what the guys had to say about this stock. It was a small cap special. just hold throughout the cycle and i believe you will do well there's you know there's some success succession risk as the founder maybe uh, grows older he's been there for a very long time 
Um, but having said that, you know, I kind of, having watched this in public for 10 years now, my entire career I've been following this, this stock. You know, I've seen them do a really a solid job growing a business, growing earnings per share, you know, that they is, they are up a lot. They have paid dividends mm. and it's a, it is really a uh, share price does follow earnings per share story. It's stomach churning when seeing this thing trade. There's not many buyers, not many sellers. You know, today we've got $20,000 traded and that's when a quarterly's out. So mm. that gives you an idea of how it could go up and down. Uh, but I do admire, you know, I admire the company and over the long term, it has been a good one to trade because the long term trajectory has been up. I think you can buy it today, as Claude says, that sort of 14, 15 times earnings where it's at. That's a, a fair multiple for this business in the long term growth. Mm. Um, you may be able to get it cheaper. You know, there's been times where Fiducian's probably traded on 10, 11 times earnings. But as it gets bigger and liquidity comes in, go back to what Claude said at the start of the show. That's where more funds can start to look at this business as it creeps up towards a three, four. 500 mil market cap liquidity naturally comes in and multiples naturally shift up so it's probably at least a hold for me andrew but a buy for the right investor who can stomach small cap volatility with a long-term focus For those who are interested in the small cap space, I guess this is uh, one to watch, isn't it, Kyle? Yeah, and for those uh, for those two guys, it's kind of like a holdy buy or a buy hold. They like the stock. Um, yeah. Not necessarily an emphatic uh, answer to a buy hold sell, but nevertheless, um, I think it's a pretty good company. Yeah, it is. I just wanted to touch on our third tip theme of today. We set mm. down for the week. Remember yesterday we were talking yes. about the semiconductor mm. um, sector. We saw that result from TSMC. They're predicting a Q2 um, sale to drop by 6 And this is a a very geopolitically sensitive industry. Mm. And we know that U.S. President Joe Biden potentially would uh, be imposing some restrictions on American investment into key Chinese industries. And I think that's going to impact quite a lot of companies. Even, you know, TSMC said they're in talks with the government just to protect this. And, you know, semiconductor business is is huge. And we were watching that yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tell us as well, because, I mean, the the audience now are getting uh, well uh, well familiar with you uh, over the last two days. But, I mean, you've worked in that kind of hot, hot area of the world when it comes to, to, to China, spending some time in Hong Kong. The narrative can change depending on where you are in the world. The reportage can change. From where you've experienced things, the way China could be interpreting these um, sorts of moves by the United States, would this be treated as an act of hostility? Could this be um, a prompt a greater retaliation or at least you know more brinkmanship, um, some of that wolf warrior diplomacy perhaps? I mean, how does this news normally get digested by uh, the Chinese government and, and the, I guess the Chinese uh, broader Asian public in that in that part of the world. Yeah, you know, I think if um, we could read the mind of the Chinese government, that person would be a very rich uh, person. But it is difficult. But we can take the cues um, from the Chinese government. They will see it as an act of hostility, mm-hmm. and they, you know, we've seen trade wars happening, and this is what diplomats and politicians are trying to avoid because uh, the impacts are, are very deep. And so, if this does happen, you can bet your bottom dollar China will have something to go against that, you know, tit for tat, and you don't want, don't really want to go down that path given the economic climate that we're already in. Um, broader Chinese um, reaction, I think, you know, there's, there is a sense of support, uh, you know, yeah. na- there's a sense of, well, if you're, if you're attacking, I say attacking might be a strong word, but if you're, yeah, you yeah. know, putting us in this position, then we will have to, like playing chess, we will have to make our move to equivalent to that. And as we know, uh, the Asian region is um, in sort of an increasingly incendiary sort of environment. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a real hot spot. And it goes again back to this sort of TSMC story and 
these other yes, investment just keep an eye on the G7. I think G7 summit mm. may in Japan. I think we'll probably hear a lot of in the geopolitical space that could impact that could actually move markets. You might hear some things from there. Yeah, really interesting. Well, uh, we did talk about how the uh, market was lower for the week, and uh, as we always do at this time of the week, we welcome Dr. Shane Oliver from AMP Capital to talk through all uh, all the things that did occur. Uh, Dr. Oliver, uh, thanks for, for for joining us today. Um, I just started okay. a very surface level question because we've been talking all week about how there's been this sort of apparent lull uh, in equities locally and across the world. I mean, you look at the VIX in the United States down to 52-week lows. How have you seen uh, what's happened on the markets? It does seem to be almost a, a level of complacency in the market even. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, markets, I guess, to some degree have been boosted by signs that inflation's peaking and therefore there's an optimism that uh, central banks will soon finish the job and uh, we'll be able to, by later this year, start cutting interest rates. I mean, you can see in our inflation indicator there for the US, uh, ongoing downwards pressure coming through as the supply side problems have relieved themselves and uh, freight costs have come down. Uh, most business surveys point to lower inflation, even in Australia. Out of the PMIs today, the ongoing downwards pressure in the inflation components remains there, even though the economic activity components are sort of bouncing around a little bit. So I think that's what's uh, buoying markets. And at the same time, we're not seeing a, a collapse in economic activity. Uh, you mentioned earlier the PMI in Australia. Um, likewise, internationally, we haven't yet seen a collapse, even though there are increasing warning signs in relation to the US, the leading indicator overnight, the Philadelphia Fed, um, jobless claims on the rise. But generally speaking, uh, growth has held up better than expected. And so I think that sort of Goldilocks scenario uh, that we've come into, at least for now anyway, is what's supporting markets. Whether it can remain the case or not, I know the, I know there's the old saying, sell in May, go away. We've had a good start to the year. It's quite conceivable we come into a rougher patch. We've got the debt ceiling issue ahead of us in the US. Um, uh, you know, risks of uh, weaker economic growth. Um, and it's probably still a while before central banks start cutting interest rates, even if we are close to the top. So we could easily have a bit of a leg down through that May, September quarter period um, and then rally into year end. So I wouldn't necessarily get too complacent given the uh, the relative strengths we've seen in markets uh, so far this year to date. Yeah, but even if, um, Shane, there, you say you're not complacent, but you're trying to find direction. I think the, the problem, especially with this week, is that investors are having a hard time deciding which indicator to take on board and which direction to go. So where do you find direction? That sounds really philosophical, but yeah, where would you go <laughs> to tell investors to go? I read these books. <laughs> um, I don't know. The answer is within. Who knows? Um, there's no clear answer to that. So obviously, we are going through a, a difficult uh, period. I, I noticed uh, straight behind me somewhere there on this side is uh, Eric Idle's book, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. So I, I try to look on the bright side of life. But, um, uh, you know, it's it's difficult. Um, I, there's, there's so many conflicting indicators at present that it does confuse things quite dramatically. Um, but I think in a longer term sense, we are coming into an environment where inflation will come down, which ultimately will supportive of, be supportive of markets. It's just that right, right here, right now, I'm still feeling a bit cautious about things because uh, I am conscious we've seen good rallies in markets and we could go through a rougher patch. So I'd, I'd be sort of uh, a little bit cautious at present. Um, and, you know, it's it's it's. It's, it's not clear that these issues are fully resolved uh, around the recession risk uh, that we're seeing internationally and obviously to a lesser degree in Australia. 
even though so far the data has been somewhat better than might have been feared. I, uh, I do have Monty Python in my head now, and funnily enough, not uh, uh, the uh, the Life of Brian song, but the Galaxy song, which I always find solace in from uh, the meaning of life. Um, yeah, but anyway, I digress. Um, might, might chuck that one on later on. Uh, let's, if we may, talk about just the RBA this week. And well, we'll go to the minutes in a second. But I mean, I've been fascinated, obviously, like anyone, with the review and the results of the review that has come out from the government about the RBA uh, from from here, that, that the changes that could be made. Uh, be made in terms of its structure and the way that it does business effectively. Mm. Widely, it seems to have been approved by most economists. I mean, do you think, I mean, in your opinion, do you give perhaps the the 51 recommendations your tick of approval? (laughs) The more I think about it, uh, the more I don't. Um, (laughs) I mean, the basic model being proposed is a shift to what you sort of see, I guess, in the UK, Canada, uh, US and New Zealand. Uh, that is where you have less meetings, you have an independent, sorry, you have a, a monetary policy committee there with a bunch of economists on it. That's probably a good thing. Um, you, you have press conferences after each meeting, you have more speakers uh, out there talking about monetary policy. Um, and the more I think about it, I'm not entirely convinced that those countries have seen better economic outcomes than the Reserve Bank has actually delivered in Australia. So while you can make criticism of the RBA, and yes, I think there should be more economists on the board and so on, um, and many of those recommendations make sense, it is quite a big change. And I do worry that we're messing with something which has actually been working quite well. Yes, uh, some mistakes were around, made around the pandemic, but other central banks made mistakes as well. It was a very uncertain period. It's always easy to look back in hindsight. Um, but I'm not entirely convinced that shifting to the model that's proposed will lead to any outcome which is different or better than what we currently have. And therefore, I'm, I'm sort of questioning now whether it's actually worth it. Uh, so mm. that, that's my two cents on it. I mean, I think a lot of people would have come into this review hoping that it maybe it would mean less pressure on interest rates. But if you look at all those other central banks that have uh, um, less frequent meetings, press conferences after each meeting and so on, They've actually raised interest rates more than the Reserve Bank and they've done it in a less balanced way than the Reserve Bank has. So I'm not entirely convinced that what's being proposed is necessarily the right thing. Um, So at the end of the week, I've sort of become a little bit (laughs) sceptical about the review, to be honest with you. And maybe I'm parting company with other economists out there who are giving those recommendations the ticket for approval. But the, the more I think about it, the Reserve Bank has delivered pretty well for Australia over the last 30 years, and even the review acknowledges that. And therefore, I don't see a strong case to make these sort of radical changes, which could upset the apple cart and lead to a worse outcome. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess, uh, you know, this I don't like the saying, but it is what it is. Uh, we'll wait and see. We'll see if this new structure, this new plan will actually bring in um, some sort of uh, change, um, if you will. Um, Shane, I'd like to ask about this uh, report that we saw in the States, because it's really interesting. The biggest money market of outflow since 2020. Now, you've got about 69 million, $69 billion that leaked out of U.S. money market funds uh, week ending April mm. 19. Where is this money movement going? Do you think that this is a sign of that recession where you've got in- institutional investors going, oh, hang on a second, let's pull it out, sit tight and wait. Is this, is this an indicator that we can actually take on board and make a, a concrete move on? Look, it's hard to know where that money went. Uh, I mean, if you're talking about money market funds, then presumably it wasn't taken out of the equity market. 
um, it may be that that money is to pay uh, tax returns and so on in the US. I mean, there is, I know some people who look at liquidity as a driver of markets. It's been quite positive at the start of the year, but that's set to turn less positive. I think less positive. I think we're seeing uh, some of the weakest tax returns uh, in a long time in the US, this, the, the tail end of this financial year in the US. Um, so that means less money available. So maybe that's another factor there. Um, but bottom line is, yeah, it's hard to know where that money went. But you could argue that uh, it, it's probably not gone into the share market, um, but it, it potentially does mean that there's less money around to come into shares going forward. And I suspect that it could have been sucked out of the economic system, which could actually be a bit of a negative uh, for markets over the period ahead. That's a good point uh, that you bring, though, that uh, tax season is, um, I think it's on Tuesday, they, they have to, to make their submissions. So that probably also impacted it. No. Do you have any? Um, yeah, no, no, questions? of course. I just wanted to stay in the US because actually one thing that was brought to the table a couple of times and it start, it's starting to be, I think, acknowledged a little bit more at least amongst um, the commentariat as it's, uh, you know, risk to the markets. It's just the debt ceiling situation. I mean, for you, is this something that you've been keeping a close watch on? Because, I mean, if you look at credit dis- default swap spreads, uh, they've blown out. Um, and again, this has only been brought to my attention over the last couple of days. But for you, are you, are you fairly, I suppose, cognizant of the risks here? I am. And uh, I mean, it's, it's always hard, this one, because the debt ceiling was actually reached back in January, a bit of excitement at the time, but that was premature because we know they have these cash balances which they can draw down. Um, the, the general feeling was that that would take us out at the middle of the year. There is a risk uh, that with less revenue coming into the US tax office uh, that it may come earlier, say sometime in June. Um, and in the meantime, the US House looks like it's trying to pass a bill. Uh, remains to be seen whether they can do that. Uh, you know, if they can't do it, then that would be a bit of a problem because it means that the Republican majority in the House can't agree amongst themselves on what to do. And that, that, that uh, could mean a long drawn out process here. Um, so yeah, th- this is going to be a source of uncertainty. I mean, it'd be nice to think that it could be resolved easily. Um, the last time we had something uh, that was significant on this front was 2013, uh, also back in 2011. We know in 2011 it didn't end so well with a debt downgrade in the US. So it is something that investors should be cautious about. Um, so you, you'd sort of add it to, to, to you know, sell in May, go away, the liquidity situation getting a bit more tenuous. We're coming up to the period where the debt ceiling will become more of an issue. We, we're not there yet. I think at the earliest it's probably going to be mid-June before it becomes an issue, but we're going to start hearing more about it, particularly if the House can't pace, can't pass a bill on this. Um, and, uh, you, you know, worries about recession. So, I mean, it's just another factor that could give us a bit of a rough patch uh, through that late May, um, middle of the year period into the September quarter. It's going to be a fascinating couple of months and uh, that's just in the US, let alone what we can expect from here. Um, Dr. Oliver, we'll we'll wrap it up. It's uh, as always, really appreciate your insights. Uh, We'll uh, talk to you next week. Yeah, thank you very much. (laughs) That'll be good. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Tessa. Take care. Dr. Shane Oliver from AMP Capital there. Okay, well, let's uh, let's shift on because we want to have a little bit of a look at what's on overnight now. And uh, Global PMI surveys, we already yeah. alluded to the uh, Aussie Judo Bank one that's uh, surprisingly moved back into expansionary territory. Uh, Procter & Gamble is probably the big one mm. out of the US in terms of earnings. Not so big, but nevertheless, uh, we're still watching very closely that uh, that earnings story in the States. Yeah, indeed. And we didn't, you know, it was quite disappointing the last uh, few days. Um, we'll see if we have any big companies that will post something different. 
Yeah, no, without a doubt. And uh, well, we've got those big tech names coming up in the next few weeks as well. So yeah. you start to get you know twenty five percent of the uh, the total market cap of uh, of the S and P five hundred reporting, and it always seems to fall around a Fed meeting as well. So we're looking for catalysts. Thursday, Friday, maybe not next week, but the week after we're going to be... Yeah, uh, didn't, and let's not forget that CPI. I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing the yeah. local CPI and that probably uh, can tell us a bit more on uh, where we're headed. It'd be surprising. I don't know. What do you expect? Be surprising if it... Uh if it remained resilient? Uh, well, I mean, I think the, the sense now is that it'll come down or that it'll repeat. But, you know, if we looked at the UK situation this week, it's about that stickiness. It's just not coming down as quickly as many, uh, well, economists and uh, investors would, would like. So that's that's the concern. That's a concern from the start that once inflation gets embedded within, you know, um, consumer psychology, it's yeah. really hard to, to shake out. You need a pretty good shrink to try and uh, get you over that one. So. Um, you know, really, it's it's going to be about how quickly it comes down, and then we'll be turning to that May RBA meeting. Oh, indeed. Okay, leaders and laggards. Now we've uh, covered a few of kind them of, yeah. already, I mean, but uh, let's get have. the let's get the leaders <laughs> up now. And uh, well, we spoke about Whitehaven Coal before. Yeah, that was I think so. The leader there approved an investment in mining equipment for work to start its Vickery Coal deposit. I think we saw that news come out early in the day, so that's uh, no surprise there. And still in the um, resources space, um, Linus also um, up on a record production from its Malaysia operations. Yeah, Burrell as well up by 5.4%. And I'm just trying to find some news on that today. I, I doesn't jump out to me necessarily. So, I mean, a, a fairly significant move there for a fairly large stock. Pilgrim Minerals back are above uh, it was four bucks. the last few weeks, huh? Yeah, it's I been... Mean, the days of- uh, Pilbara? Pilbara, yeah. Yeah, you know, Pilbara has, yeah, absolutely, up at 2.5%. And you, you do sort of wonder how that um, news that you were talking about before as far as Chile, um, so yep. significant when it comes to a lot of these uh, rare earths and, and major metals, uh, lithium in particular, um, you know, whether it will be on balance maybe a benefit to um, yeah. to, to, to our uh, I think miners. The, the announcement that the president there was... Um, uh, careful to say that all existing contracts will yeah. not be touched, but in future, this is what we'd like to do. Yeah. So, yeah, but still, that is going to work its way into uh, the companies. All right, laggards, Bank yeah. of Queensland, still, still there. Yeah, it's been a choppy week for them, and uh, had the, benef- uh, the, the the great privilege, privilege of talking to the CEO and managing director Patrick Alloway yesterday after the company's ro- results were announced. Now they did a lot of the di- airing the dirty laundry at the start of the week in terms of the dividend cuts and the one-off items that uh, were hits of profits. And as a result, we saw a bit of a bounce back yesterday in its stock, but down five percent today. And it has to be said again that was that sort of broader financials theme mm-hmm. that uh, weighed on the markets uh, ma- on the market today. I thought more banks would be on the laggards list, but uh, we still have Fortescue there, uh, Champion Iron. I think it's also just the commodities uh, situation mm. uh, that we saw today, that pressure coming from uh, that space, uh, the resources. I don't know any announcements that Fortescue made today. Not no, that nothing I, of the sort yeah, necessarily. So I think it's just a general um, uh, sentiment in the commodities price pressure uh, that it's putting on those big companies. So there we have it, the leaders. Uh, and laggards uh, for today. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just trying to look for Imogene. No, no news there necessarily, but also down there on the laggers list. And uh, well, let's quickly jump across the small caps and uh, see what we've got there. Well, legacy iron ore um, up to twenty eight percent, but it's going to happen if you move a fraction of a cent um, and you're a two cent stock. No, indeed. <laughs> um, yes. we'll, we'll move on there because I think everyone can see for themselves just some of the big swings. Uh, anyone else that jumps out in terms of the laggards in the small cap space? Oh, my favourite, Chevron Global. 
down 11.1%. Uh, obviously, that's, uh, that trade that I said I'd put on yesterday hasn't been filled to, to pump up the price. So yeah. uh, sorry, guys, haven't done that yet. But um, <laughs> off, off just a, a small margin. Um, again, all very energy centric. The nature of small caps, the nature of today's trade, where it, uh, it has Big been. Things for those that, those at mm. the top there. Yeah, no, without a doubt. But um, well, I guess that kind of takes us to the end of uh, a week. week. We got there. Eh? Yeah, we did. We got there indeed. I mean, it really was uh, a very flat, <laughs> uh, very flat week. Uh, to was. be honest with you, I think uh, everyone was just looking for, for some sort of direction. Um, all right, are, there's right? a last uh, a check on the markets there. So down by point. Uh, five seven percent. Yeah, here. so the SIBO two hundred down zero point five seven. Yeah. Uh, eighty six two hundred down zero point four three for the day, which will mean zero point four two percent drop for the week, and uh, that's the first week of declines we've actually seen for three weeks. So ends a, a little bit bit of a positive run, but uh, again, and maybe low, people aren't holding long. That's the thing. Long well, the weekend volumes, the volumes <laughs> maybe have been are like, already on holiday. Yeah, yeah. Volumes have been really, really low. Yeah. So um, it's hard to say any of this uh, price action uh, has been particularly significant. But um, again, we wait, we watch, um, and we've got plenty of economic data, plenty of news coming up next plenty week. Plenty of guests trying to break it down for us. Absolutely, so, yeah. including a public holiday on Tuesday as well. So uh, I think that'll be uh, very much welcomed by everyone. So we always like to, to get our Anzac Day off but um for the time being we may as well call it an end to another week tessa it's been great to have your company the last couple of days yeah it's been great to be here thank you kyle and thank you guys for watching absolutely well, remember you can catch up on all the views and interviews on your website and app uh, until monday have a great weekend have a great weekend bye the cob is brought to you by etoro Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.